welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. We've had a few false starts to spring across the country this past week, but there's no mistaking the longer days and the smell of hibernating skunks waking up to know that we don't have long to go, and as if to confirm it, tax season is now upon us again, which is conveniently what today's first interview is about. Here's what's coming up in today's show. Tax season has arrived and a lot of Canadians are questioning the fairness of our system. Despite overwhelming support for reform amongst the electorate, there seems to be little political will to enact a wealth tax. Erica Beauchene, the Communications Coordinator for Canadians for Tax Fairness, a non-profit organization that advocates for fair taxation to reduce inequality and strengthen the economy, joins me to discuss. In the second interview today, we focus on the attitude of gratitude and how to make it a daily part of your life with Dr. Maxine McLean. Dr. McLean has a new book out called Gratitude Keeper, No Water, No Rain, that aims to help people live a more balanced life through journaling, meditation, and daily inspirational cards. Anne Brody is in with new entertainment, and this week we take a look at Juniper, starring the mighty Charlotte Rampling, the uber-creepy The Consultant on Prime that takes a dark look at the modern workplace, and the delightful Eugene Levy steps out of his comfort zone in the new Apple TV Plus series The Reluctant Traveler. Are your New Year's health resolutions a distant memory now? Before you beat yourself up, Jasmine Parent from I Am Worthy Wellness pops by to discuss her unique approach to wellness that starts with a healthy dose of self-compassion. Multi-level marketing is everywhere and you may be a part of one yourself, but Julie Anderson wants you to think twice about your involvement as either a consumer or a direct seller. Julie joins me to discuss a little about her journey with a consumer cult. Finally, Martina Bosed is a new Canadian and we're so happy to have her as she brings her incredible talent as an international open format DJ with her. Martina has worked with singers such as Rihanna, 50 Cent and Callis and joins me today to share her newest single called Move. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate and entertain. Let's jump in right now. As Canadians prepare to file their income taxes for yet another year, it's no doubt prompting many to think about the fairness of it all. In fact, in a 2021 poll conducted by Abacus Data, over 70% of respondents agreed that large corporations and wealthy Canadians do not pay their fair share in taxes. Further, 92% of respondents supported changes to the tax system to make it harder for corporations to game the system and avoid paying their fair share. Despite overwhelming support for reform, there seems to be little political will to change this. Erica Beauchene, the Communications Coordinator at Canadians for Tax Fairness, a non-profit organization that advocates for fair taxation to reduce inequality and strengthen the economy, joins me now to discuss. Welcome to What She Said, Erica. Thanks for having me. So let's start with a general question. Why is it important for us to talk about taxes, especially at this time of year when Canadians are preparing to file their income taxes? For sure. I um, I think it's important uh, to talk about taxes because I don't think that um, people uh, really recognize the value that we get back from paying taxes, uh, the amount of public services. Uh, some studies have shown that Canadian families, the average household can receive up to uh, 40000 a year in return for paying taxes through the public services, whether that's education, healthcare, 
um, roads, uh, maintenance, uh, all sorts of benefits. And so it's, it's important to, I think, um, you know, nobody likes paying taxes for sure. Um, but I think it's important to just recognize the value that we get from the tax system and the importance that everybody contributes their fair share so that we can have properly funded public services and social programs. So your organization, Canadians for for Tax Fairness, advocates for fair taxation to reduce inequality and strengthen the economy. So can you tell us more about the need for a wealth tax and why the inequality continues to get worse in Canada? Yeah, we have been advocating for a wealth tax for some time because inequality has grown worse in recent decades in Canada. And people often look at uh, the U.S. and and think that Canada, we're not as bad as the U.S. But indeed, Canadian billionaires have seen their wealth grow by staggering amounts, particularly in the past few years because of the pandemic. We know that during the pandemic, um, people were affected differently. So households that were already lower income, struggling, um, were were hurt even worse by the effects economically of the pandemic. Whereas those who were already doing very well, including some of the richest families in Canada, have actually seen their wealth grow. Um, and now to the point where um, the richest families in Canada own uh, two-thirds of all wealth in, in the country, which is staggering. Uh, so there really is a need uh, to change the tax system to introduce a wealth tax on the richest families. And we're not talking about, you know, people who might earn, you know, a million dollars. We're talking about people who have tens of millions of dollars. This is, these are amounts that are probably unfathomable for most people to even imagine. Um, and it's really those households um, that need to be contributing um, a greater, a greater share. Do you have some examples of how large corporations avoid paying their fair share? And, and what does it mean you know, we're talking about this, but can you be more specific about what it means for what we lose when they don't pay their fair share? Absolutely. Uh, so one of the one of the ways that corporations are able to avoid paying their fair share is through the use of tax havens. So there are uh, jurisdictions throughout the world that offer much lower tax rates than Canada. So a very large corporation uh, that has uh, international subsidiaries, so smaller branches of their organization, can can be strategically located in lower tax jurisdictions in order to avoid paying what they would pay in, in Canada or elsewhere. And so that's one, one way that corporations are able to avoid paying taxes. There's other ways to uh, strategically accounting. Um, many of these corporations have armies of some of the best accountants in Canada, and there are many legal ways uh, corporations can reduce how much how much they pay. Um, this costs Canadians in terms of lost government revenue. Um, we know that tax avoidance um, uh, just in 2020, 20, sorry, just in 2021 alone, corporations avoided 30 billion in taxes, and that's that's money that could be used to fund uh, things such as pharmacare. That could be used to help uh, other healthcare funding, as you know, the provinces uh, are also uh, struggling uh, right now, and um, to invest in in things like childcare or uh, other other uh, public investments that actually have an economic return for all Canadians, not just a few. And um, so that's that's one area that we really 
really need to work on. And in terms of just even trying to wrap your head around 30 billion, how much that is in terms of lost revenue, that's actually enough to have reduced the federal and provincial deficit in 2021 by at least 20%. So a lot of money being lost. It's what she said after all. So let's let's talk about how this impacts women specifically and sort of <clears throat> a, a fairer tax system would reduce gender inequality. Absolutely. Uh, we know, studies have shown that a lot of the unfair tax loopholes in our tax system, a lot of the ways that people are able to avoid paying less tax are uh, disproportionately benefiting men over women. We know that some of the biggest tax loopholes, uh, the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives did a great study back in 2019 that showed some of the biggest tax loopholes in the system are not only benefiting the richest 10%, so that very, very select uh, families that are earning incredible amounts of money, but also uh, overwhelmingly benefiting men. And uh, that has an extra effect in in terms of uh, harming gender inequality because women in particular benefit from investments in public services. Women have... um, uh, have benefited from government investments in healthcare, in education, in accessible childcare. Uh, these are all things that um, that have a great impact on women. And when we're not funding them properly, uh, that's taking away from uh, from uh, women's quality of life. Your organization then has been um, also advocating for automatic tax filing. Which is, to be honest, something I actually hadn't ever thought about. So why do you? Why is it so beneficial for Canadians to have this? We're really advocating for uh, automatic tax filing because it's a real problem in Canada. Uh, it's estimated that at least one in ten Canadians don't file their taxes, and if you don't file your taxes, you don't get all those great benefits from the tax system, such as the Canada Child Benefit, which is a, a substantial amount of money for. Uh, families to pay for things like groceries and diapers, other benefits like the guaranteed um, uh, income supplement for seniors, many other benefits delivered through the tax system. But if you don't file, you don't get them. And so um, what we're really trying to uh, advocate is for the government to adopt a system called automatic tax filing. They've already committed to do it back in 2020, uh, but they haven't followed through yet. And other countries already have this system in place. There's uh, many models, and uh, it's something we need to really speed track, especially as right now, uh, so many more benefits are being delivered through the tax system, and people are struggling. Families need help. The cost of living is going up. It's, uh, it's really important that we, um, that, that we keep the pressure on government to fulfill its promise. So let's talk about the pressure on government a little bit, because there does seem to be a lack of political will to to tax the richest Canadians and corporations. Why is this? I mean, obviously, it's it's got to be corruption. That's all I can keep thinking about. There's got to be somebody paying off somebody because it's just too much money to be losing. It's true. It is a lot of money. And what we what we also have a hard time understanding is that it's a really popular policy. People want this. And it's, it's, you mentioned the polling by Abacus Data. Other polling has supported that. And, and not only among a certain you know, uh, segment of the population, but this was consistent. Uh, this support for taxing the wealthy was consistent across people from all different 
parties, people of all age groups, uh, demographics, and um, and and so there's a real political appetite for this to happen, but the government hasn't followed through. Now, I think one reason is that there are many corporations and you know uh, people with a lot of money who are probably lobbying the government not to do this, and so we need to uh, make sure that we um, people uh, that that we counter that pressure with with our own um, constant um, reminders that this is not only the right thing to do uh, in terms of fairness, but that it would actually have benefits for the economy as well. All right, Erica, this is a huge topic. You are always sharing great information on all your social channels and on your website. People can get involved. I believe you have a petition going around right now as well, perhaps. So could you share all of that with people? Absolutely. So you can check out our website at taxfairness.ca. And you can check us out on Twitter at at FairTaxCanada. And uh, on TikTok, Canadians for Tax Fairness. Um. And uh, we have a petition uh, right now uh, asking the federal government to tax the excess profits of large corporations. Uh, we know that large corporations have seen uh, incredible, uh, incredible profits since the pandemic, and at the same time have avoided billions in taxes. And our recent report just last week actually showed that many of these same corporations, while um, while avoiding billions in taxes and while making these incredible profits. Uh, also took government subsidies. So on, on top of taking government money, they were not contributing their fair share in taxes. And so we've called on the government to really bring in an excess profits tax. Other countries have done it uh, and, and Canada can do the same. All right. Excellent. Erica, thank you so much for joining me. We'll have you back again. Thank you very much. More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. And now, back to what she said. Here's Candace Sampson. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. And this is a fact backed by numerous studies. Dr. Maxine McLean, a doctor of natural integrative medicine, medical intuitive healer, homeopath, and humanitarian, centers everything she does around gratitude. Dr. McLean has been recognized for her inspiring work and dedication to her craft, and today we're talking about her new book, Gratitude Keeper, No Rain, No Water, which is designed to nurture the spirit with the healing art of gratitude. Welcome to the show, Maxine. Thank you, Candice. It's a pleasure. So before we get to your book, I'd like to talk for a minute about the importance of meditation. How does meditation help our physical, emotional, and spiritual self? Well, what's beautiful about meditation is that it actually increases the gray matter of the brain. So it does improve our health overall, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I think people are probably listening who don't meditate. And, I, you know, I was one of those people who didn't. I used to think, oh, it's airy-fairy. I'll never be able to sit down and do it. I think they might find it difficult. Do you have any tips for beginners who are just starting to meditate? It starts with the power of the breath. Just relax. Take your deep breaths, hold, then exhale. Did you actually try that meditation, the body awareness? No, I, I listened to it yesterday as I was preparing uh, for our interview, and I felt very calm just listening. But I do meditate on a regular basis. And I what you said about the breath is so true, because once I got it, it took a while, 
But once I got it, I found that I was able to pull in that feeling of meditation throughout my day when I was having moments of stress by just focusing on my breath. So not actually sitting down to meditate, but just, you know, focusing on my breath during a stressful time. That's been the biggest impact for me. It's a beautiful experience. The way that I've done it, though, is that I've recorded um, healing messages to music. So we are targeting your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, every aspect of your 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 body, each organs, in order to um, stimulate healing on a cellular level. So it's beautiful. So let's well let's talk about the Gratitude Keeper book then, because first of all, I'm assuming it's interactive. Yes, it is. Okay, so how does it work then? Um, it's based on my life stories and quite a few uh, meditation prompts throughout um, to help you um, deal with anxiety, fears, uh, frustrations in your daily life. It's a beautiful read and it's inspiring. I was looking on your website and there is a book, there is cards, and there is audio correct yes so when you purchase the book do all of those things come with it or is it purchased separately it's purchased separately okay and so how do the cards work then because i saw you showed me earlier you have this beautiful deck of cards how do the cards work the finger is called the fingerprint inspirations there's 60 cards in a pack and you basically hold the cards in your hand and shuffle them intentionally and you pick maybe one card if you're busy, you can pick five cards. That's your inspiration for the day. That is your game changer. That switches your perspective. So if you've gotten up, you're not in a good mood, or you're not quite sure, you know, your, your, your footing for the day, you can actually go there, you know, pick a card, maybe one, maybe five. Yeah. And did you, uh, for each card that's there, did you write each card yourself or did yes. you pull inspiration? You did all of these on your own. That's amazing. Yes, I did some of this. It's beautiful. You know, I'm sorry to cut you, Candice. What's no. really nice is that I've been doing testings on patients. I've done this beta testing. And they come back to me and they say to me, oh my goodness, I picked the cards. And 95% of the time, they resonate, they line up with me directly. This is incredible. So I'm really excited about it. Actually, there's a testimonial about the cards on my Instagram. But the other thing I love about this is there's a charitable component. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. That just touches my heart. So I am involved in um, building wells in the rural areas of Kenya and have accomplished building the well in Karina Village in Kenya. And it was so heart throbbing to see all the people come to fetch water when the well was finally built. It just tore at my heartstrings. And so that's a journey that I'm going to continue. So when these um, Gratitude Keeper books are sold and the fingerprint inspirations and the core therapy cards, a portion of that goes back to building wells so that people can have clean drinking water because what I didn't realize is that these people travel sometimes one week to find water. Some travel 10 hours to find water. And when they go to find the water can, this, the crazy thing about it is they're battling with the crocodiles. So they have to throw stones in the water to make sure there are no crocodiles. And then they step out into the water and fetch water. 
So actually what started me off in trying to help them with water was I read the story about a mother of three and she had gone to fetch the water but somehow she missed the crocodiles and they they just stood by and watched her being eaten by crocodiles which was really horrible and she just went to get water. So yeah. this is a beautiful sort of full circle Mm-hmm, gratitude you've, you've built here it's delightful i love yes. it thank you uh so i want people mm-hmm. to be able to connect with you obviously find the journal the cards the audio um and find out more about you so where can they do that they can connect with me at maxinemclean.com actually that's my website you go there everything is outlined there they're, they're even all right so all your socials are linked there everything so people can- and also there are a couple of um Uh, meditation inspirations there that they can try it's beautiful Mm -hmm. all right wonderful thank you so much for joining me today dr mccannis it's a pleasure thank you it's time for saturday night at the movies with ann brody and you've got some new entertainment this week let's start with juniper well my take on this is that charlotte rampling is at her height what a magnificent actress she is. So this is the true story of something that happened to Matthew Seville, a New Zealand uh, filmmaker, when he was young. So Sam is his character in the film. He's a troubled kid. His father's really distant. His mother's recently died. Um, rather than sticking around to comfort his son, he heads off to England, allegedly, to settle the estate. Uh, turns out later he finds out he's gone to be with a woman. So, you know, this is this is a bad father. Anyway, Charlotte Rampling is sent to him. He has to look after her. She's uh, broken her leg, and she's a real booze hound. She puts down two pitchers of gin a day, um, and she's extremely difficult. So she eventually recognizes that he's a neglected kid, and... Her brittleness kind of falls away, and they develop a a friendship. It's just lovely. It just gives me chills thinking about it. And all his friends, like these hooligans, they're totally charmed by this elderly woman. And it turns out she was a war photographer. She had an incredible life. And they all share stories. She can't walk. They carry her up hills so that she can watch the sunrise. Honestly, it's just the loveliest experience. And it takes a while to get to that point, but you see that people are redeemable if you can reach them. And it's also, I think, about uh, the healing powers of friendship from for trauma. So it's in theaters and on TVOD. Uh, it's funny, you know, uh, just even watching the trailer, What like what's a trailer, two minutes? From yeah. the start of the trailer, I was sort of turned off by her. And by the end, I was quite misty and had tears in my eyes. So I know it's going to be a (laughs) good movie. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's talk about The Consultant. Holy cats. This is something else. This is on uh, Prime Video. It's an Amazon original. And uh, it takes place in CompuWares, um, a tech hub run uh, by, you know, young people all in their 30s. Uh, and the leader is very difficult, very tough on them, sort of an Elon Musk type. So a group of school children come in for a tour and one of these little kitties shoots them dead. Now, I don't know how this happened and I'm not far enough in it to, to know, but that night 
a man shows up, played by Christoph Waltz, the uh, German actor who's just so magnificent, and he takes over. There's nothing, there's no provision to allow him to be there. Nobody knows who he is. They find out through like intensive research that he decapitated someone in Russia, and he's taken control of this company. And uh, even more musky, um, he says, you know, you, you have to be in at this hour exactly on time. A disabled woman comes in a second late and she loses her job. Another guy, he smells people. And one of the guys offends him uh, in his smell. So he fires him. The guy considers suicide. It's just the most incredible place about a broke, uh, a film about a broken workplace that is so provocative and mysterious. Now, Vaults, this, this sadistic new boss, has one weak spot, and that is he is unable to climb the stairs into his office. So, uh, <laughs> lots, is, expect a lot. This is an incredible portrait of people together in a dysfunctional situation. But I'm sure a lot of people in the tech industry will will relate to this show. So I'm sure it was built on that premise alone. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's talk about The Reluctant Traveler because I swear to God, could Eugene Levy be any sweeter? I say the best. <laughs> and apparently he's lived most of his life in a complete shell. He doesn't like traveling. He doesn't like heat. He doesn't like cold. He doesn't like strange places. When he goes anywhere, he stays in his hotel room. This guy produced and stars in a reality series where he has to go to extreme places. And his responses are just, they're so different. Each, each place he goes through, depending on his completely honest take on them, like Finland, he meets nice people and, um, you know, terrific people, but they keep challenging him because they're a tough, hardy bunch. They make him swim in a frozen lake. And he, you get the feeling by the end of it, he just can't wait to get out of there, that he just hates it. And the look on his face says it all. He doesn't say, I hate this, but you know he does. And then he goes to Costa Rica, which is so fantastic, but he's afraid of the jungle. He's afraid of the creatures in it. He's afraid of a volcano about a kilometer away from the hotel. He's just a bundle of nerves and ticks, and we shouldn't laugh at him, but he puts himself out there. Um, and, and then he goes to Venice, and he's completely swept away, mostly because he loves his hotel. <laughs> so then after that, he goes off to uh, Portugal, South Africa, and around the States. So he's 75. He figures it's time to change his habits and, and you know push the envelope. So do it with him. It's really entertaining and rewarding. He's, he's just a delight. And just a few, uh, you know, couple of minutes I saw there, you can see him stepping out of his comfort zone. Yes. But <laughs> I, think it, I think it will be transformative for him. So it's, it's delightful to watch. So I can't wait for that. That's on Apple? Uh, yes, it is. Apple TV Plus, yes. All right, excellent. So you've got this and more, including... Uh, because you bear. haven't seen it yet, Cocaine Bear, <laughs> which I literally cannot wait to hear about what you think of it because the trailer <laughs> cracked me up. So, and based on a true story, which is even more bizarre. Isn't so, that crazy? Yeah. So, uh, we'll be looking for Cocaine Bear in your review this weekend, Dan. <laughs> so, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me today. We'll see you again next week. We'll see you next week.
More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming right up. And now, back to what she said. Here's Candace Sampson. The best part of falling off the health and fitness wagon is you can get right back on at any time. You don't have to wait until January or Monday. You can start right now. But what we're not going to do when we misstep is beat ourselves up. Jasmine Parent is the owner of I Am Worthy Wellness. Jasmine provides online wellness coaching to her clients across North America. This includes support with mental health, behavior change, fitness, and nutrition with a primary focus on self-compassion. She joins me now to discuss her unique approach to wellness. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Hi, Candace. Thanks so much for having me. So can you share a little bit about your journey to becoming a wellness coach and the moment you realized that self-compassion was a missing piece in the wellness puzzle? Yeah, sure. So in 2018, I decided to start out on my own health and fitness journey with the primary focus at the time was weight loss. And I had been on many journeys before that had failed. And I really did some self-reflection and asked myself, what was the problem there? And I quickly realized that every time I embarked on my own journey, I was beating myself up. I was saying all these really nasty things to myself and feeling not so great about myself and about my body and decided to switch the approach. And I thought, why not do it from a place of loving myself and doing it because I want to feel better and I know that I deserve to feel better. So I switched my own perspective and I found so much success on that journey. And after a year, I had some really great success, had accomplished all of the goals I set out to make. And other people started asking me for help as well. So I decided to get some certifications as a personal trainer, as a certified behavioral change specialist and a nutrition coach so that I could provide support to others. And quickly, I realized they were also doing the things that I had been doing, and that is why they were not successful. They were beating themselves up the entire way and speaking really gross things about themselves and saying really nasty things that no one should say to anyone, let alone to yourself. And it kind of clicked. I thought, this is the problem. This is, this is the switch that we need to make. So I thought I need to share this message with as many women as I can so that they can feel good about themselves and hit their goals. I have to tell you, your mes- message resonated with me so much because I've been, you know, I'm on again, off again mm-hmm. with health and wellness. And I do, I, I feel really good and then I fall off and I beat myself up and it just becomes this vicious cycle. And I want off the ride. Yes. I want yes. off the ride, Jasmine. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> most so people she, do. <laughs> so tell me, because you said, you, I, I'm going to just let you say it because it's your words. Uh, tell people that expression that got me so moved, please. Sure. And I say this a lot. I've been saying it for years is that you can't hate yourself into greatness. It doesn't make sense. If you want to feel great and do great things and be proud of yourself, you have to act that way now. You have to do those things now and feel that way and speak to yourself as if that's how you're feeling right now. Because one does not, negativity does not beget positivity. It doesn't, they don't match up. It doesn't make sense. It's so true. So tell me then, how do you make this experience for women and men? I am assuming you work Mm -hmm. with men as well. Different. Sure. And yes, I do work with men. My partner, my fiance, Jeremy, he started this journey with me as well. So we did it together. So he's been that kind of male counterpart along the way. Um, So what I do with folks is that we sit down from day one and I ask them, what is your goal? 99% of the time, somebody throws out a weight, a goal weight that they have for the scale. And I say, no, throw that away. 
what is your actual goal? What do you think that that number is going to bring to your life? And often it, people think for a second and they come up with, well, I want to have more energy. I want to feel more alive. I want to be able to do these specific activities with my kids. I want to have more stamina, things like that. So I start to let people recognize for themselves, allow them, kind of guide them to see that you might think you have a goal weight, but it really often you have a goal feel. How do you want to feel? But we're so used to attaching those feelings to a number on the scale that we get really caught up in that. And I like to get rid of that scale focus for folks because most of the time that is what causes the frustration for folks or that cycle that never stops because the scale doesn't always say what we think it should or it doesn't always click that it's not the only tool that we need to be using. And I think, too, a lot of the struggle comes with the abundance of information. Mm. We are being overwhelmed with information on health and wellness, and it's hard to pick a path. Like, where do you go? So do you help people define that? Yeah, I do. And really, like I said, it's guiding them and letting them know it's not about what your friend did or what that ad that popped up on whatever social media outlet said is the new, the best way to go about it. I remind them, one, if there was a magic pill or a secret that everybody would know that specific secret and everybody would be successful. We wouldn't even be having this conversation if there was some magic secret. And two, the only thing that works best is what works best for you. Certain people at certain stages of their journey, of stages of their lives, seasons of their lives might be able to follow diet XYZ. You may not be there. That might not work for you. Somebody might want to cut down on their carbs if they want, not necessary, but if they want to, but you don't have to. If you absolutely love carbs and you love all kinds of different foods and you don't want to cut any out, you don't have to do that either. So I just make it very simple for folks in saying the best diet or the best way to eat is the way that feels good and works for you. Because at, at the end of the day, it's not a, it can't be a cookie cutter approach because we're all so unique and we all have such different needs and lead different lives. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think what's tripped me up for a long time is is this whole idea that I had to be an elite athlete or something mm. when working out. <laughs> and I am not. Trust me, mm-hmm. there is nothing, <laughs> no skills here. So I want to ask you, though, about the importance of movement and mm-hmm. what kind of movement works. Yeah. And that's a great one. And you're like many, many people say that, right? You watch these videos on Instagram of these really high level athletes and it feels like you need to emulate that. And that's just not true. Uh, Walking is one of the most underrated forms of movement and exercise. People seem to think walking is not really a workout and it is. So get outside and walk or if you have a treadmill or go to the gym and walk on the treadmill, walking is really great. And then I always encourage people, find something you enjoy. If you absolutely despise going to the gym, it causes you anxiety, you're too nervous there, don't go to the gym. You don't need to go to the gym. Find some dance videos on YouTube, subscribe to me and work out with me and get some fun workouts with modifications for all fitness levels. Find something that you enjoy and understand that intentional exercise is actually not 
what usually really fuels your success or helps you reach your goals. It's the movement you do outside of purposeful exercise. So most people are 60 minutes for a workout, but then you have your entire day. So if you work an office job, I always say, you know, get up and do a couple laps around your office. Or if you're working from home, get a standing desk, park a little further away when you get your groceries. Try to increase your overall movement and don't be so hyper-focused on those days when you're doing intentional workouts because they matter, but not as much as your exercise outside of intentional movement and obviously your nutrition as well. I love it. Tell me then what services you offer with I Am Worthy Wellness. I mean, it's more than just coaching, right? Yes, it is. So I have a subscription-based Facebook group, which is my number one. And that's where I often try to lead folks to come to because that's kind of all-encompassing. Within that group, we do live workouts three times a week. We have a one-hour coaching session where we sit down and focus on the mental health side of things, the actual behavior change and adjusting your habits. We talk on different topics from looking at things beyond the scale, self-love, finding your own path, creating your theme for the year, goal setting, how to set productive goals, all kinds of different things. So we meet once a week to do that for an hour. And then we also just connect on a regular basis and talk about recipes and nutrition. So that's the subscription group that I offer. And then also I offer just one-off services. So if somebody needs a new eight-week program in the gym, they don't really know what to do. You come to me and I personalize it for you. You tell me how many days a week you want to work out, for how long, what your goals are in terms of fitness. I provide at-home programs, gym programs, and then you get to connect with me through an app and I guide you, me or my partner, Jeremy, he's also a personal trainer. Uh, he, We both work together with our clients to support them on their own specific plans. And then of course, calculating uh, nutritional numbers for folks and saying, you don't, I don't give diet plans. That's not meal plans. That's not in my opinion, overly productive to tell someone what to eat. I tell you, this is how much that you need for your goals. Here's some ways that you can get that those nutrients in, but you go off and find the meals that you enjoy and make those fit to your numbers. Amazing. All right. We have 30 seconds left. I want you, if you got one message you could really hammer home with people listening today, what would it be? And where can people find you on social media and on the internet? Sure. So my one message to folks would be act now as if you are where you want to be. Speak to yourself in that way. Do the things that you want to be doing. Do not speak negatively to yourself because it's counterproductive. Okay. So try to embrace and love the journey. And then if you'd like to find me, of course, Instagram at Jasmine Losing It. And then my website is IamWorthyWellness.com. You are a delight, Jasmine. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am sure we'll have you back again. Thank you so much. In this next interview, we're going to be exploring a topic that has been gaining a lot of attention lately, multi-level marketing or MLMs. While some may view MLMs as a harmless business opportunity, others have raised concerns about the cult-like tendencies that can arise within these organizations. Julie Anderson knows this all too well and has gone public with her experience selling products with an MLM. She joins me now to discuss what you should know before you jump into an MLM yourself. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. So you've mentioned that MLMs can have cult-like tendencies. Can you explain what you mean by that and give some examples of what you experienced? 
Sure. Um, if you think of uh, Stephen Hassan, who has written Combating Cult Mind Control, talks about the BITE model, behavior, information, thought, emotional control. Not everybody within one of um, these multi-level marketing companies has the same experience, um, but if you use that checklist, they could run it by their experiences. So for me, it hit all those boxes, behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. You are, your time is totally filled with doing activities every day to grow your network marketing business. You get inundated with emails, needing to attend Zoom calls, having to save up money to go to events, and post on social media. Post on your stories on Facebook, on your stories on Instagram, do different, different posts in your customers groups, and then all these trainings. So information given to you is your because your time is so taken up with your multi-level marketing company your access to information outside of the multi-level marketing company or these high control groups is restricted your world becomes just ensconced in your multi-level marketing company and emotional control this is like the mindset the personal development work positive vibes only if you have anything that is um, perceived as negative, you schedule that time to feel sorry for yourself and get back to work. Send 10 prospecting messages, take action. It, it requires you to not critically think, squash your critical thinking. If your guts are speaking to you like, this is weird, this is an obvious contradiction, that's a negative thought. You need to reprogram your subconscious by writing affirmations every night doing these visualizations of the person who you want to become, your world becomes that you're, what you're in, your multi-level marketing company. How do you identify what companies are an MLM then if you know, you're approached from somebody who says, well, this isn't an MLM? I would definitely go to the uh, DSA, Direct Selling Association, and see if that company is on there. A lot, most companies are. I'd also go on to anti-MLM Reddit because there's this huge master list. A lot of people within multi-level marketing, they're taught and they really believe that they're not a multi-level marketing company. And they'll come up with all different kinds of phrases, social selling, social sharing. They're not, they're not purposely trying to deceive you but they are purposely trying to deceive you. They don't believe they're deceiving you. They really believe in what they're a part of. So the best way to get information is to not take in the information from the person that's trying to get you into their business opportunity or sell you their products. It is to actually do research. Go look at another source instead of the person trying to like sell you whatever they've got. You say that in order for MLMs to succeed, you have to lose. Absolutely. That's the way the business model is structured. So what does so what does that mean then? So who's making all the money in these? Is, is it a pyramid scheme? Yes. So really, it's the people that are um, not in the pyramid scheme itself. It's the company. It's the CEOs. <laughs> it's the people who are running the companies. So not, over 99% of people have to lose money. And they do lose money across the multi-level marketing industry or network marketing industry, whatever you want to call it, in order for the very few, like the small, small infinitesimal percent of people at the top to make money. That's how the business model is structured. When you're in multi-level marketing, we're taught, my company isn't a, biz a pyramid scheme, your company is a pyramid scheme. There's a CEO of Walmart or Amazon, and then you've got an executive board, you've got 
the warehouse people. It's the same structure. So the criticism isn't the structure or the shape. It's how the money flows. In a regular business or a company, you get paid for your work. But when you're in multi-level marketing, the money is flowing up. The distributors, which are primarily the customers, where there's there are few customers outside of the structure itself, the distributors are purchasing so much of the products because they love them. They go bananas every time there's a new release, product release, product line release. I know I did. That money goes up to the top. It's the distributors that are paying for the top, like the top people that are making the money. The few customers that people are having, like it's such a small percent compared to what the distributors are paying. But that money flows up again. Like if you're at the like you're a regular, you know, you're a distributor. You sell some products to someone. You get a small cut of that. Most of that money is going up to the top. That's how these things work. All right. Well, we recorded a longer podcast, and I encourage people to go over and listen to it. Um, for those who are currently in an in an MLM, uh, perhaps uh, for those who know people who are in MLMs or just want to learn more about how they operate, uh, people can head over to the podcast. I just want to ask you one question, though, that I I asked you over on the podcast, and I think I'll ask it here because I think it's important. How do you respond to the boss babes that slide into your DMs <laughs> and ask you? If you're interested in hearing about their company. Say no. I was coached to follow up until they die. If you say anything, trying to be nice or kind, we are coached and taught to just counter anything you say other than a no with a question. We want to keep you in conversation. So while you might think, oh, I'm going to be nice. I don't want to like hurt their feelings. No isn't no isn't hurting somebody's feelings. We'll we'll have our feelings hurt because we're in a commercial cult. But this is the only way that you can prevent someone to stop hounding you because all we're after in those initial conversations, we just want to keep the conversation going because eventually we're going to wear you out, wear you down. That's what we're coached to do. So saying no, just no. No is a complete sentence. That's excellent. So everybody knows now, just say no uh, and uh, and head over and listen to this podcast. Julia, I can't thank you for joining me enough today. Uh, where can people connect with you? You can find me on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. All right. We're going to put all that in the liner notes. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. La, la. And now, back to what she said. Here's Candace Sampson. Our final guest today is an international open format DJ who has played in the UK, Ireland, and Nigeria, toured with Portia, and worked with MTV Nigeria. She has also worked with singers such as Rihanna, 50 Cents, and Kellis. But the best part is that Martina Bosade is now based in Toronto, which means we get to claim her as our own as a Canadian. Martina is joining me now to share a little of her story before we play her latest song, Move, in its entirety right here on What She Said. Welcome to the show, Martina. Thank you so much. So tell me why the move to Canada. Um, it was um, 
kind of a, a decision that um, a lot of my friends had been um, trying to persuade me to come here and I had a bunch of Irish friends that moved over so it, it actually took some time to make the decision and um, because I, I thought Canada was really cold and I, I didn't really know the summers were you know as warm as they are so um, it, it took some time but it was really um, sort of influenced by friends and my uncle lives in Barry so kind of influenced by them too. As it pertains to the music scene though what are you how are you finding that in Canada? It's incredible that that was um, a big part of the decision. My friends had really recommended. They were like, oh, you know, I think you should really come to Toronto. Um, the music scene is, is incredible and you do, you do really well here. There's a lot of, um, you know, experience that you can gain and, you know, a lot of opportunities. Um, so I, I find that it's great. I've, I've really connected with so many uh, different artists and DJs and it's, it's just been a wonderful experience all around. So what do you have planned then for events coming up uh, from now and right through to the summer? Um, I have some exclusive events coming up. I'm really quite excited about them. I, I can't talk um, too much about them just yet. Um, and then I have my residencies. I do a lot of residencies in hotels. Um, and I'm just in talks with um, a couple of other big gigs that I, I can't really discuss. But it, it's going to be a very eventful summer. Tell me about Move then, because we're going to listen to that next. Yes, um, so Move is uh, my first single, which is a collaboration uh, with uh, Canadian DJ FTP, DJ for the People. Um, so he's incredibly talented and uh, we work together on this song um, called Move. And it's it's more or less, it's about the chemistry that you find on the dance floor. So it's kind of fun, it's flirty. You know, we've all had that experience and uh, we just wanted to release a, a really fun track. Well, I am loving it. So before we play it in its entirety for everybody, I want them to be able to keep up with you and your amazing career. So how can they find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Martina Bossaday. And I also have my website, martinabossaday.com. So get in touch and let's connect. Okay, we're going to put all those links in the liner notes when this goes out on podcast. And let's listen to Move right now here on What She Said.
She said this week. Stay up to date with my newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson wherever you listen to podcasts to catch past episodes and extended interviews. I'll be back next week with more What She Said. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.